Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us today. You are present with us in many ways. Uh, You've not left us in this world on our own. You are with us by your spirit. You are with us through your word. And through your word, by your spirit, you speak into our hearts. And we just pray that you might bless us and encourage us from your word today. That we would hear you speaking to us. To give us peace. To give us joy. To give us... uh, to lift our eyes to the ways that we can glorify you in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing on in our series uh, in the great hymn Amazing Grace that we're doing just for something a little different, an excuse to spend a few weeks really in the heart of the gospel of what God's grace means for us who follow him. Our verse for today, through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. And we read from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. As we look at this verse, as we think of the grace of God, we want to think just this morning about perseverance, about the way God's grace is with us as we persevere in the Christian life. What does the word perseverance make you think of? For me, the, the immediate things that come to mind are sweat and pain and pre-season. I think this is the second week in the row where, where somebody's had a go at you, isn't it, Frog? Because Ben did it last week talking about pre-season as well. Endurance is, or perseverance is a good thing. And yet we don't love everything about perseverance, do we? Perseverance is a trait that we admire. We admire the athlete that perseveres to the end. We admire, you know, the the person who has worked hard to bring their business through a difficult time and persevered through the the tough tough times uh, to make it through to the easier times. We admire the people who uh, have persevered seeking justice uh, through the courts Uh, After, you know, failure after failure, they persevere until they get justice. I mentioned in our, uh, in the worship, in the singing block this morning, Paul famously used, and the author of Hebrews famously used this first ever sports 
our sermon illustration, this illustration of the marathon runner running the race set out before them. Now, you can tell that I'm, I'm no marathon runner, but our faith is a marathon. For most of us, it's not we're saved and then God takes us to heaven immediately afterwards. Um, you, get, you get the odd person here and there that have, with the deathbed confession that, and God can absolutely save people at the 11th hour. But for most of us, there's a long time between the bit where we decide to follow Jesus and the bit where he takes us home. That's our marathon that he's given us to run. And we we know that we don't come to Jesus, we don't follow Jesus for a life free of troubles and challenges. We know that he is with us in our troubles and our challenges. But if anybody is telling you that if you follow Jesus, everything in your life will be easy, they're, they're not preaching the same message that Jesus preached. They're, our lives are not constantly full of these things, but our lives, all of us, have had times where we've come across dangers, toils and snares. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, and uh, Paul and the author of Hebrews, they invite us to look back on our lives, on the races that we've run so far. That hour you first realised that Jesus loves you. Jesus was not just some guy who died on a cross, but that he's the son of God who loves you. That moment, your race began. And like starting most races, you start the race fresh and full of energy. Um, you know, you don't see people looking you know, half dead and perspiring on the starting line of the marathon. That, that comes much later on. It's exciting to be running this race, running for a wonderful prize, the prize of eternal life spent with the God who created us and who loves us. A life that will be free of all the hardships brought about by sin, all of the brokenness that we see in our marathon as we run through this life. But as I said this morning, then there's times where it feels like you're struggling up the hill. And the gravel is slipping away between your feet and your lungs are on fire. And that prize seems very, very far away. We've all come through many dangers, toils and snares. Take a minute to think about the things you've faced. Times of serious doubt, of the enemy's attack on your faith. Uh, of what's poetically been called the dark night of the soul, where we question whether God is there. Or maybe we're certain God is there, but we question whether he actually loves us. Maybe there's been times of real hurt caused by others. Other people can really hurt us. Maybe it's been traumatic experiences. Uh, some people go through one moment in their life which they'll relive on and off again throughout the rest of their life. That's, that's not an easy part of the marathon. 
We go through times of loss. We go through times of poor health. We might go through times of poor mental health, of anxiety and depression. And then there's the snares, the bear traps or the the holes that have been dug out and covered over along the path that we're running on our marathon. The snare of guilt and worthlessness. When we sin, when we stuff up, we do need to realise that we need to be forgiven for those things and take those to God and say, please forgive me, I confess this sin, please forgive me. But sometimes we get caught in that snare of continuing to feel guilt, of continuing to feel like God must be just constantly looking at me like this. There are other snares we can come across along the way. The snare of idolatry, where the good things that God has created become the ultimate thing for me. Begin to be what I'm running for instead of for the crown that God has promised. Because most of us, for most of us, idolatry is not an issue of bowing down to a statue of Zeus. But it's where good things, good things like sport, good things like... Um, well, arguably good things like politics. Things that have a good place, perhaps we'll put it that way. Things uh, like uh, food and drink. Things like friendships and travel. Things like even our very families are all good things which can become idols if they become all that my life is about. That's a snare. That's a bear trap in the road. Sometimes we fall into other snares. The snares, there's these two snares that kind of go together even though they're the opposite of each other. Legalism and licentiousness. Now those are not everyday words. So sometimes we err into, okay, God's saved me so now I got to try and pay him back by doing all of the good things and it becomes it can slowly creep in that we start to feel like if we don't do a good enough good things God isn't happy with us that actually somehow all of the good things that we're doing are actually paying Jesus back for his death on the cross which nothing can repay And then sometimes we steer away from that and we steer so sharply that we veer into license where, okay, so I'm not saved by my work, so therefore nothing that I do matters and I can do whatever I want. And those are both traps because there's a middle way where we choose to follow Jesus because we know that his way is best for us, that he's called us to this way because it is for our good But when we make mistakes, we don't uh, try to redouble our efforts because we remember that we're not saved by what we've done, but by what he's done. Many dangers, toils and snares. None of them are fun or easy or pleasant. But Paul tells us in Romans 5 that we can glory 
in these sufferings, not because we enjoyed them so much, but because suffering produces perseverance. Because perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Frog doesn't put us through all of those push-ups and sit-ups and laps because he's a sadist. Um, I don't think so, at least. But because it produces something good, it produces fitness, it produces strength, it produces endurance. You're not the same person that you were before you struggled up that hill. As a parent, uh, you know, the kids come home with their homework most days. I can't do the kids' homework for them. They go and do their sports. I can't, you know, William did Oz kick this year. I can't push him aside and say, here, I'll kick that football for you because he won't grow. He won't learn. We grow through the trials. But that doesn't mean that we're self-made people, that who we are is the efforts of the sweat of our brow and the strength of our back. It's not about our works that we impress God by enduring through suffering. But it's grace has brought us safe thus far through those dangers and toils and snares. We have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We stand in the grace of Jesus by faith, by believing in him. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. If you are here today, still following Jesus, it is because God has kept you safe. It is because he has brought you through. You stand in his grace. It is in his grace we're able to stand forgiven. It is by his grace that he has helped us every step of the way. I don't do the kids' homework for them, but I don't let them just completely flounder if they have no idea what to do next either. You come alongside. You offer support. You offer suggestions. You try and help them to come to the answer by themselves. Does God put us through more than we can handle? I'm going to give a controversial answer. Yes. Yes, God puts us through more than we can handle. But not more than what we can handle with him alongside us. More than we can handle in our own strength, absolutely. But not more than when he is supporting us, cheering us along the way. And I forget their names, but it's like the, um, the decathlon at the Tokyo Olympics. Who saw that one? The, the two Aussies. And one of them had no chance of, of getting a medal finish, and the other did. So the one who knew he couldn't win, he sacrificed his own finish to run along behind this other guy, spurring him on, encouraging him, and, and just like push, pushing him to run as fast as he could. And Jesus, in his grace, by his spirit, does a similar thing for us. Not 
you know, perhaps literally yelling things in our ear, but encouraging us and supporting us along the way. Comfort for those who are struggling to know that God will help you through it. And the other thing that the struggling does is that the suffering, the hard times does, is it grows our hope. When life is easy, it doesn't matter if the new world with all of the brokenness taken away is a long way off. But when all of that brokenness begins to really impact on us, then that begins to turn our hope to what Christ is going to do when he returns. It helps us to know as we're struggling up that hill that there is a finishing line, there is an end to the sufferings and the brokenness. And it also it produces humility because it reminds us that we haven't got to where we are by our own strength, but by the help of him who's come alongside us. And he calls us, I must say too, it's not all something that God does by supernatural means, by the Spirit giving us superhuman strength. He does it through quite mundane things like Christian brothers and sisters coming alongside one another and supporting as well. We can be a part of God's spiritual blessing into somebody's life just by encouraging them through a difficult time. There's a reason God saved a people and not just random individuals here and there with no connection to one another. And I find in my own life it's often easier to see how God has helped us, how God helps us, not by looking around in the difficult times. When you look around in the difficult times, sometimes it's very hard to see how God is helping you and giving you strength. But as I look back on my life, I can see all of the little things that God has been doing. That person he brought into my life at just the right time. That line of a song that just got stuck in my head that got me out of a pattern of negative thinking. Those little acts of grace are very often hard to see at the time, which is where it can be good not to live looking backwards, but to take those times to look back and to remember what God has done for you before. But in his love, God doesn't just help us through our suffering. He promises an end to it. He promises that finish line. He gives us a hope to hold on to that the grace that's brought us safe thus far, that grace will lead us home. How can you know for certain that you'll get to heaven? How can you know that you'll be able to finish the race when perhaps you're only halfway through? There is absolutely no certainty if our strength, uh, if our hope is built on our own strength, on our own goodness, on our own ability to follow God. There's no certainty we'll finish the race. But there's great certainty, great assurance if our hope is in his grace. If his hope is in that he who began a good work in you will see it to completion. While we were still powerless, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And going on a little bit further in Romans 5 from what I put up for you before, Paul says, 
at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. But God demonstrates his lone love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? If we were God's enemies, if while we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We've been justified by his blood. That's what the Bible teaches. That's, and blood's not a topic we tend to talk about all that much outside of the church, but we sing so many songs. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I have sinned. I have rejected God. I have hurt the people that he has created. And you have too. We deserved, for rejecting God, we deserve to be rejected in turn. And to have God reject you means to be cast away from all of the good things that he has made. The wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. But Jesus paid the price that our sins deserve. That is the basis of the Christian faith and why the cross is such an important part of every church building, of so many of our songs, of the things that we teach. It's why pretty much every week there'll be some part where I'll tell you about what we're talking about, how that relates to what Jesus did on the cross, because everything relates to what Jesus did on the cross because it's the heartbeat of the whole Bible. Jesus paid the price our sins deserved. And if he did that for us when we hated him, when we were his enemies, how much more will he show us grace when we love him, albeit as imperfectly as we do? We are not perfect. We make mistakes. We still have the selfish human nature within us that fights against the things of God. But we trust that as we love God, imperfectly but sincerely, he will hold on to us. He will make sure, by grace, that we make it home. So I want to do something this morning that I don't normally do. I want to give everybody homework. Uh, I don't know if there's any school kids or uni students here that are a bit tired of that, but I've got some homework. I want you to look back on your trials that you've faced, those dangers, those toils and snares, and see if you can spot some of those ways that God has helped you, that he's uh, walked you through them. And you know what, maybe we could even talk about that after church before we get to the cricket or the, uh, yeah, the, the other things of our life. So what, what's one thing 
that you've seen in the past that God has, has really helped you through. And then having looked back and seen his grace to you in a million little ways, look forward to the finishing line. Does it seem like it's a little bit closer, a little bit more real? Do you feel like you can make it with him alongside? And if you're going up a hill, does it make that hill just that little bit easier? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your amazing grace. The heart of the gospel is that we could never save ourselves. The wages of our sin was death. But you have saved us by dying in our place. The wages of sin was paid by you instead of us so that we might have hope of eternal life. When we have our struggles and our doubts, we pray that you will just help us to remember that if you loved us when we were completely opposed to you and running as far as we could from you, how much more can we rely on you and trust you now that we are doing, are following you in as much as we can? Give us the strength by your spirit to be the people you have called us to be. Not by our own strength, but through Christ in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.